0: What we're talking about is, and I just called it pre-decide. I'm not really, I wish I could change it, but I'm in the middle of it kind of. But the, the point is, there's. But we make better choices. We're gonna have a better life. We're going to live a more godly life. We're gonna be blessed and we're going to be anointed uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I desire God's anointing over my life, not just at church, but especially um, when I'm in the workforce, you know, when I'm in the community, I wanna be anointed um, like the early church, you know that they they were able to walk in the community in their shadow. It was obviously God that healed, but it was like their shadow was so powerful because the anointing was all over them. And um, but we're talking about choices, we're talking about decisions, and a godly life, a blessed life, is chosen way in advance, not just the, flying by the seat of your pants, not just choosing it right now that I'm gonna I'm gonna live for God. It's I'm going to live for God. You're making that decision a long time ago. I made the decision when I was a teenager, about 16, 17, 18 years old. I made the decision to do what I'm doing right now in my life with God. I'm not perfect. I don't think I'll ever get to be perfect. But the fact is that I've made decisions in my life because of decisions that I've made. i made choices today that I've made decisions long ago. I made a pre-decision. I made a pre-choice. I'm gonna live for God. And so, I don't know about you, but I've never met one person who plans for financial ruin. Have you? Did you wake up when you were in school and, um, the teacher said, hey, hey, Billy, what are you gonna be when you grow up? Well, I don't know, but I plan on being in financial ruin. Like, and Billy would be crazy. You don't, you don't plan for that kind of stuff. I don't know anyone that wanted to destroy their marriage through an affair or through pornography or through not spending enough time at home. You, when you get married, when I, at least I'll speak for me, when I got married up, right up here, I stood on this side right here, and I never, in a, in a, now we're still married and stuff like that, so I don't give you the wrong impression, but I didn't go, I didn't stand in front of Pastor Rick and do my vows, thinking in my mind, you know what would be an awesome thing? I'm gonna destroy my marriage by not spending time with Lydia. I'm gonna destroy my marriage by, um, having an affair. I'm gonna destroy my marriage by not loving her. I'm gonna destroy my marriage through looking at pornography or whatever. I'm gonna, nobody plans on that. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm gonna go through a season of sin. I'm gonna, Take the sin and hide it under the rug, and hopefully nobody will find out, even though you put the dirt under the rug and someone's walking through life and they see there's a big bump over the rug and you're like, what is that? Um, you know, No one plans on living in sin and hiding it. Nobody does that when they lose the trust of the people when they're found out. In other words, nobody plans to ruin their life, okay? Each one of us could look at one instance or multiple instances where we made the wrong choice and it destroyed something, okay? Okay. And no one said 20 years ago, I think I'm going to plan that. Usually those things, it 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 seems to just happen. Okay, you go, why did my marriage just got destroyed? Why did it get destroyed? Like It's years of bad decisions, and especially like, say, 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you didn't make the right choice, and so you went down a road that you weren't supposed to. And so we don't plan to do stupid things. The problem is we don't plan to not do stupid things. We don't think ahead. We don't predecide. We don't predecide that right now. I'm choosing right here. Choose. What does it say in the Bible? Choose today who you will serve. Okay, they weren't even in the Promised Land yet. Choose today who you serve. Are you going to serve this God? Are you going to serve this God? But for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That was a predecision. So we're going to be talking about today. And so we've been talking about the power of pre decisions, the power of choosing ahead of time what I'm going to do in the future. Now, no no one's perfect. Any perfect people here? I always say it. I don't, I, I'm not kidding. No perfect people are allowed in the church because when you think you're perfect, you, you, you that's a lie. So now that's not, you're not perfect. So you're going to destroy the image of God working in imperfect people Okay, but um, we, we're talking about, we mentioned the fact that here it is, some of us might seem this is kind of extreme, but the quality of our decisions will determine the quality of our life. Okay, if I want to have a good marriage, I gotta make some decisions right now in order to get there. I can't just come home one day and just fly by the seat of my pants and go, you know, I think right now I'm gonna do, I'm gonna change 20 years of bad habits right now. You gotta plan ahead. Some of us, maybe all of us made bad choices 10 years ago in regards to different things. And it's time now that we stop and we go, how, I need to make decisions right now to, to correct a ship. And it might take a year, it might take 10 years. Who I don't know, it might be instant. I don't know, I'm not God. But uh, we make our decisions, but the reality is our decisions that we make, make us, okay? When you look at me, Joel, Joel William Bremer, the first, the only, okay? Hayden would have been Joel William Bremer the second, but that was voted no. Um, huh? Enough Joel's in the world, right? But um, uh, when you look at me, you see good and bad, you see the times that I've, I've failed, you've seen the times that I've made a good choice or not. I am the product of the decisions I made years ago, okay? whether it be 18 or 16 or when i first was married or when uh, we decided to have a kid or when it, when i it decided to work for pep. you i am the product good or bad of the decisions that i made years ago okay and the good news is if you're still if you're if you're breathing you're still alive you have time right now to allow god to correct the ship to honor god with your life with everything and that's my goal so we introduced something last week that is really helpful to me. But when I am faced with blank some situation, I have pre decided to blank, and I'm not going to go through the whole rigmarole of uh, examples of what I did last week. You can go on YouTube later and watch that. But I, I thought about another example that I didn't talk about last week. Okay, because each one of us deal with those people who are extra grace required. Okay, I always use that term, but it's just true. I mean. If you don't know anybody, then you're probably that person that's extra grace required, and that's okay. That's okay, you know? But when I'm faced with hard people, difficult people, people who are not nice to me, people who don't like me, I have pre-decided to love them and extend to them mercy. Why? Because I want God to extend that mercy to me. I want each one of you guys to extend that same grace and mercy in my life. And and as a human, I, I demand it almost. You better, brother, you better extend to me. When I mess up, you better still love me, but I don't want to do it to other people, okay? So I have already predetermined in my life, Am I do I fail at it? Yeah, okay. But I've predetermined in my life that no matter what happens, I'm going to love people. I'm going to extend to them grace. I'm going to extend to them mercy. I'm going to show them God's love. So when I'm faced with difficult people, extra grace required people, I'm going to do the hard thing with God's help because I can't do it on my own. I'm going to love people. That's an example. When I'm faced with some, some problem or some situation, I've already decided to whatever. Okay. When I'm faced with hard, with, with, with bad financial, uh, uh, season, when I'm in a season of like bad finances, I have pre-decided to still honor God with my finances, even if I only make a penny this month, okay? I make a little bit more than that. I make two pennies, but um, instead of waiting for the moment of decision in the heat of the moment, we have pre-decided what we're going to do already. Last week, we ended by looking at six I am statements, and these these are how the series. this is kind of a map for the series i am ready we're gonna talk about today today i am ready i am consistent i am devoted i am generous i am faithful and i'm a finisher no matter how hard it gets i'm gonna finish what god has called me to do okay these are six things that these are basically a map of what god is wanting us to do we're already deciding beforehand what 2023 is going to look like now there's some things you cannot Predict, and like I said last week, we're not talking about those outside of your outside of your uh, decisions. It's outside. We're talking about the things that you can control, your the way you react, your decision making thing. And so we're pre deciding who God has made us to be biblically, and we're deciding who what He's called us to. We're already determining beforehand because. I always use my marriage as an example. If my goal is to be a good, godly, biblical husband, I can't just randomly just think about it and just, okay, I'm going to do it today. No, I have to pre-plan. I have to predetermine that that's what I want to do. And if, is God called me to that? Of course he is. So I have to make that decision beforehand. When we know who we are in Christ, he's made me ready, he's made me consistent, he's made me devoted, yada, yada. When I know who I am in Christ, who he's made me to be, it makes it so much easier to make those decisions. I can either say yes to things or no to things. When we know what we value, and we know who we value above everything else, it is so easy to say yes to things that God's calling us to or no to things, this is not part of who God has made me to be, period. Because the hardest thing to do in my life over the years was the easy. The, the, the should be an easy word, no, right? Or yes. God's called me that. Yes. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna ask a question. How many of us? We're gonna talk about. I am ready. How many of us have ever given into temptation and later regretted it? How many of us like? Is anybody looking? Okay, I won't look. Go ahead, raise your hand. If, if you go. Yeah, all of us. We've all been tempted to cross the line into sin. The temptation is not a sin. Everybody's tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. But we've all been tempted to cross that line. And there are times where we actually cross the line and we went, I immediately, maybe not immediately, maybe for some of us, after 10 years of it, you finally, you feel a little guilty. And I wish I would not do that. See, because we, when we're tempted, we know it, It looks good, whatever it is. When you, the reason why sin, we sin, is because it feels good, it looks good, it it brings us pleasure, if you will. The re, if if it was if, I'm not tempted to touch the. I got burned on the stove, and that was an accident, because I slipped on on water on on the floor, and I went. But I don't purposely go. I'm not tempted to do that. Why? Because it hurts. And it still does. It kind of itches, but, which is a good sign. But it kind of itches and it kind of still burns. But, um, I'm not tempted to do that because it hurts. So I'm not tempted to do things that don't feel good. I'm tempted to do things that very much feel good. Except I know logically that if I cross that line, it might feel good, but it's co- going to cause, it's going to cause some dangerous repercussions in my life we all know that we've all been there done that sign me up you know to say to be up here and say yes that was me because it was all of us so chances are you gave into the temptation because you were not ready you were not prepared you you just kind of went through life and you went whoa I'm over the line right that was kind of three-dimensional if you're online um, put on 3d glasses I should do that someday but first um, Corinthians 16, 13. I love the scriptures we have today, by the way. You're gonna love them. Every single one you're gonna love. And, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 in the New Living Translation says, be on guard. Everybody say, be on guard. This is an important thing right now. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Those are a lot of commandments. Okay? The one commandment I want to focus on today is be on guard. Okay? If you, if you're, if you're, um, it's kind of like the idea of being, having a sword and a shield. You better be prepared to fight in the spiritual battle that you have. Because if you're, if you're kind of just, you know, picking your nose or you're drinking coffee during a war, you're going to get killed. Or maybe even worse than that, you're going to get maimed or you're going to lose an arm or you're going to lose your head, right? Because you have to be on guard. Those people who protect themselves against attack, they were the ones that were ready. They were looking ahead. They were looking over the horizon and seeing when the enemy was going to attack. They were the ones looking. It's those of us who just kind of go, whatever, I'm in Christ, so the devil doesn't, he can't do anything. He can't touch me. Oh, we're going to talk about today, the devil is, you might be offended by this, but he's very, 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 very smart. I didn't say wise. God's wise. The devil's very smart. You know why? Because He's kind of like me in my marriage to Lydia. I know which buttons to push to make her really mad. I know, I'm, I know her. If I really want to get a big argument, that's what I do. You know what the devil does? He knows where I'm weak. So guess where he attacks? Not my strengths. He attacks with, in my weaknesses. So most of the time when he does that, then I, I'm like, whoop, if I'm not ready, I'm, I'm on the ground. I fall and I can't get up. Right? And so I love this. Be ready. Be alert. Be prepared, that's what the be on guard literally means. It's it's ready, alert, it's prepared, preparation. Looking down the horizon, where is the enemy at? Where is he located? Maybe he's behind me, I've gotta be ready. Because when you're ready for the enemy to attack you, it's not gonna take you by surprise. It's so important. In fact, Matthew 26, Jesus himself said in Matthew 26, 41, Keep watch and pray. Everybody say, keep watch. In other words, same thing. Be on guard. Be ready. Be alert. Be prepared. Keep watch. Use your spiritual binoculars. Okay? It's the same word. Okay? Be, keep watch and pray, obviously, so that you will not give in to temptation. For, this is such an obvious part of the scripture. We know this. You don't have to be a Christian to know this. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, how many of us, you, you look at that and you go, I don't really agree with that. Anybody disagree with that? No, you know that. My spirit part of my life, my spirit man, my new self says, absolutely, I want to glorify God, but my flesh, there's this tug of war inside my heart 24-7 until the day I die. It's going to be very weird in heaven not to be tempted. But I'm tempted. Every day we're tempted. We're going to pre-decide. That we're going to be alert. We're going to be ready for what the devil has. Our guard is up. We're, we're, we're pre-decided. Our guard is up. We're watching. We're praying. And why is this vital? I believe this is vital to every believer. And this might, for some of us, I don't think anybody here, but maybe you're watching online and you're not a Christian. And I'm going to say something that's going to make you think I'm part of the twilight zone. Okay. The, the, the first thing is, is the devil's coming for you. Now, I have I had someone tell me years ago, said, man, you're just looking for the devil under every single rock. Every situation, the devil this, the devil that. The devil made me do it, right? You heard that phrase before. And listen, we joke about it, but the fact is, our enemy does have one mission on his way to destruction. You know, he's already destined to die and, and, and burn in the second death, so my question to God would be, and God's wise and all-knowing, but God, destroy him now. Why wait? I'm not God, okay? God has everything planned perfectly, but he has one mission, and it's to steal, kill, and destroy you. He would be, he'd be so happy to destroy my faith, to destroy my reputation, to destroy my hope, to destroy my joy, to destroy my marriage, to destroy my relationship with my son. He would be so joyous if that was, that's why it's his mission. If he can't send me to hell, he will make me miserable here on earth. And if we don't think the devil has power because we're in Christ, listen to me. You got to be ready. You got to be alert. Is he more powerful than God? No way in the world. No way, Jose, I used to say. I still do. But no way. No way. Okay, look at, you're like, what? what is that? Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 9, and 11. This is huge. This verse, I went, okay, Paul's saying this. I wrote to you, that's part of verse 9, and then I jumped to verse 11. I wrote to you so that Satan will not outsmart us. Say, outsmart us. Really? Paul, you're talking to Christians here. The Corinthians have major issues. And this is at least the second time that he's written to them, probably the third or fourth time. We just only have two of them in the bible okay but he's saying i wrote to you so that satan will not outsmart us he's talking about himself included the apostle paul can get outsmarted by the devil he will he can if he's not ready but then look what he says i wrote to you so that satan will not outsmart us for we are what familiar with his evil schemes the devil like he's not when he's tempted to do wrong and when satan shows up big time in a church or in a marriage or in any situation he knows what he's looking for because he's already pre-planned it. He's already looked ahead. He's already, um, he's ready. He's planned ahead. He already knew what to look for. He was familiar with what the devil was doing. If the devil knows exactly where your weak points, you need to identify your weak points and go, you know what? Be careful because the devil will attack right there. If your marriage is weak, and you're a weak person, weak spouse, or if you are weak financially, or you are weak, you don't, you, you, in, your joy level never goes above minimal. He's gonna attack you there. Guarantee, 100%. I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I'd put all the money, I'd put the house, i put the car, I'd put the dog. I'm <laughs> just a joke. Um, i put everything, I'd push it in the middle of the table and say, go for it. I bet you everything. Because he will attack you where you are weak. And so, The second point, the devil, first the devil's coming for you. Okay. Everybody's saying, Joel, you're part of the Twilight Zone. Whatever. It's biblical. He's, he's got evil schemes on his way to destruction. He wants to destroy you and me. The second thing is that you are not as strong as you think you are. Now, this flies in the face of American culture. This flies in the face of a lot of church culture. Okay. Now, You are, let me be very clear because you're like, okay, this Joel, he's maybe now he's starting to talk about heresy. Look, we are strong, we're infinitely stronger when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When we're in Christ, we're strong through Him, but take away that situation by myself. I'm weak. By myself, without without the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, I am nothing. I am not as strong as I think I am. And how do you know that? Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul must have known something about some of this. But 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, he says, if you think you are standing strong, I got this. I'm good. I'm never going to cross that line. I'm never going to commit adultery. I'm never going to be tempted to do that. I'm never going to be tempted. When you think you're standing, when you, it's not saying when you are standing strong, when you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Another, what does Proverbs say? Pride comes before the fall. I've said that so many times in my life, it's like, hey, I got this. When we think that there's no way on earth I'm ever going to give in to that temptation, I'm too strong for that. God strengthened me. He goes, be careful. You're the one that's going to fall because how, do we, how many of us know those who are overly confident in themselves ultimately will fall? We've seen it happen over the years. People that we know who are overly confident, not in God, but in themselves. And, well, God has made me so strong and I can do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to give in temptation. I learned the lesson from my dad that he was weak in this area and I'm going to be strong in that area. Be careful, Paul would say. Not to fall. Remember who's, remember who's strong. It's God, not, not us. God is strong in you. God works through you. You are stronger when you're filled with God's Holy Spirit. And guess what? I believe that every one of us is strong because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But there are times, there are moments when you're very close to the line, to cross the line, that if you're not ready, you will fall into temptation, so will I. Because we're not as strong as we think we are. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to pre-decide to be ready. And what I want to look at is when it comes to temptation we're gonna be ready for temptation we're gonna be ready not to cross the line okay we're three keys to fighting temptation in other words we're gonna pre-decide three things and the three things are this let's overview here really quick move the line I'll talk about that in a minute this is very very helpful by the way magnify the cost this one's huge in my life and plan your escape Okay, every one of us is going to be tempted from time to time. In fact, you'll probably be tempted on the way home or tomorrow or whatever, but we need to move the line. We need to magnify the cost. We need to plan our escape. We're going to talk about first moving the line. Now, it would be very, very wonderful if I had some type of, like, yellow duct tape to an illustration, you know. If I had it even around here somewhere, where am I? Do I even have it? Oh, man. Wait, I do have it. That's coincidental. Look at that. Now... I love duct tape. Some of us want to put that in my mouth, and I just put it Let's say Let's say that this is a line, because it is. Let's say that this yellow line that I just put down on the ground that no one can see right now, but trust me, it's there. Let's say this part of the line right here is crossing the line. You're in sin. You're not in God's will. I don't care how good you feel about yourself or how God spoke to you. This is never God's will. Okay? This, you're in God's will. All the way over here, everywhere. You're in God's will here. But just across this line, you are sinning. Now, what is what is human nature when there is a line that you're not supposed to cross? What is human nature? How close can I get to the line without actually crossing it? When you're a kid, this happened. You know, when you're a teenager, I've had. People, I was a youth pastor in college, and we had teenagers want to want to date, and this was the one. And how 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 close can I get to the line without actually sinning? In other words, what kind of romantic things? They wouldn't use that term, but what kind of things can we do without actually crossing the line? Is is holding hands crossing the line? Is is kissing crossing the line? Is hugging crossing the line? I mean, the Lord is telling me to just go up to the girl right there in youth group and just just pray with her, you know, and just embrace her that way. Is that sin? It's 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 like. How close can I get without actually stumbling over? That's human nature. That is human nature. So what do we do? See, the reality is in, in in those relational things or when it comes to sin, we do want to get close without actually crossing over because technically I'm not sinning right here. I'm just... Enough where I can look into the sin and go, well, and that, it sounds good, smells good, it seems good, but I know it's dangerous, so I'm just gonna stay right here and just enjoy myself just a little bit. So, we don't do this with very dangerous things. For, for example, <laughs> we, you know, a car that's on fire, we never say, how much of the, in, how much can I go inside that burning car and not get hurt? We don't do that. What do people say? If that car's on fire, go away from that. If your house is on fire, leave, flee, run. Yeah, but how close can I get into the front door of my house that's burning on fire and not really get burned? You're, You're an idiot if that's what you want to do. You're going to get hurt or killed. We would say, stay away from that line. There's a line that you're not supposed to cross because it's on fire. You could die. You could get hurt. It could destroy you. It could destroy everybody around you. Listen, if I was in a burning building and I made that choice to go in there, it would hurt me, maybe if I live, it would hurt my family too. All of a sudden now I've got third degree burns all over my body and that would change my life. No one does that. Let's think of an example of a pilot who is flying. They never say, you know, how few, how little of the, my fuel tank can I put in there just enough and still make it to my destination without crashing? No, you don't do that. You fill it up. Am I right? You fill it up every time. You don't say, uh, I've got just enough to go 30 miles and I've got about 31 miles to go. I think I'll be okay. I'll run on fumes for a little bit. That's, But we don't do that. But when it comes to the things, when it comes to temptation and when it comes to sin, human nature, you don't have to be teenager. Even now, we want to see how close we can get without actually going through because I don't feel guilty here. I'm not actually sinning, but I can sure hear what's going on in that that room over here, because I don't want to go over here. Too dangerous. I just well, I want to be in God's will, but I don't want to get too extreme. I just want to be in God's will and just just kind of use my little toe and touch the edge of the pool, like when we go swimming or we go in the hot tub. My family just jumps right in. They're like relaxed and like I gotta touch. You know, it's too hot. Ow. Or too cold. Ow. In in. When it comes to sin, that's how we are. We don't want to just jump right in. Maybe you do, but some of us, we're like, if I just put my toe in just a little bit. So we don't want to cross the line. So what we want to do, we're going to move the line. We, what we, I'll show you. Now, for illustration purpose, I'm going to keep it here. We could, hopefully, we would. I would put the piece of tape way over east of here, way away from the line. But let's, for illustration purpose, I just move the line just a little bit. And what I mean by that is I don't want to get myself in situations that I'm just as close to the line as possible because what? This is very, very dangerous territory because if I'm weak, which I say we're not as strong as we think we are, we will, at from time to time, give in. Even the most spiritual of us all, we fail from time to time. It's true. We want to move the line so that we're far away. When we're tempted, we have a way out. We have a way out. We have plenty of time to realize that's dangerous. I need to stay away from that. If I'm over here and someone just breathes on me or pushes me, guess what? I'm in. But if I'm way over here and I'm way, I don't put myself in compromising situations, there's a better chance for me that I'm not going to give in temptation if I avoid those compromising situations that don't get too, oh, I better get close. I'll give you a couple of examples I wrote down in my notes here. What does this actually look like? Well, let's say, let's say I have the spiritual gift of spending money. I just do. That's, a, that's not a spiritual gift. I'm just saying. But let's say that I think it's a gift and I'm like, I, I oh man, that just that looks so good. I know I can't afford it. I know my finances, but the Lord will provide and in in what do I do? Well I had to move the line. What does moving the line look like in that situation? Well, I'm going to go to a trusted friend that is very godly, they're very successful when it comes to making the right choices financially. I'm not gonna talk to some person that is drowning in debt and going, what do you think I should do? I'm gonna go to someone who makes the right choice, they stick to a budget, they might even study Dave Ramsey and, and like next to the Bible, this is a joke, but next to the Bible they have their Dave Ramsey book right next to it, okay? Um, and, and by the way, I like Dave Ramsey, but I don't think it's the Bible, you know, necessarily, but it is good teaching. But I'm going to talk to someone who I know God has used over and over and trusted. And before I make that choice to spend something that I can't afford, I'm going to ask them, what do you think I should do? That's just an example of what moving the line would be. Or I'm going to, I'm not going to buy that thing on Amazon, except with my spouse next to me or without with someone next to me. Like, what do you think, Honey? Do you think I need that Ferrari? Do, do you think I need that? Do you think I need that DeLorean? I don't want a DeLorean. Every time I hear about DeLorean, they look cool, but they're junk. But anyway, um, but it would look cool. What, well, honey? I'm I'm buying this 1957 Chevy Bel Air, cherry red. Do, do you think we can afford it? Now, I could click on the button. I don't know how I do that on Amazon. It, they couldn't ship it. It'd be a little car a little tiny little thing like that but um, that is moving the line but let's say let's say I use another example that is you know for some people let's say I have I, I, I tend to spend too much time on social media or Facebook or Twitter or whatever and I I I tend to end up gossiping while I'm on there or I tend to get in arguments or I tend to and I spend way too, two hours three hours a day and I'm just it's 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 fine because listen Facebook can be used, I'm gonna say it right now. Facebook can be used for God's glory, but it can also be used to destroy people, okay? It's either or, you choose. But what would it look like to move the line? If I'm tempted to keep my nose on my phone, moving the line would say, I'm going to limit Facebook to half an hour a day, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to someone about how to keep, keep myself accountable. Would you ask me daily, how much time I've spent on social media? How much time I've spent on my phone? That would be moving the line. Okay, we're not we're we're not just standing here and going. Ah, it's no big deal. We want to move the line. We want to move the line. Here's a big one. This has been over the years. Someone taught me this, but maybe we have a problem with lusting after people. Guys, when you know, have lust after women. Women lust after good-looking guys and. Or, you know, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at the line. We're not, I'm not really committing adultery. I'm still married. I'm not really happy in my marriage, but but it's, it's, look, no touch, you know, it's okay, right? Not according to Jesus, by the way, but we won't get into that, but what he says about committing adultery. But anyway, we're not giving in quite, but what would, what would that look like? If I have a problem with that, if I can't, if I'm walking around, I go, Like, I have laser vision, like, all of a sudden, it's, it's attracted, like, it's going, -ah 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 -ah." and it's like, if I have a problem with that, what do I do? Well, some people have, when they move the line, it's like, when, when they're walking, and they realize some, some good looking person, good looking woman is walking, they're gonna go, they're they're gonna walk across the road. Okay, I've had people say that, and it's a good, it's a good thing. Or I'm gonna avoid that person, like, the plague, because I know myself. Or, If you have to meet with a woman you I'm gonna pre-decide that I'm not gonna meet with them alone I will meet with them with my wife because trust me I'm this is for Lydia right now if if I had to meet with a woman and you were right next to me there is no way on earth that I would go she's really good-looking she'd go get out of my house and I'd be like I'm sorry I'm out of here right you have to move the line some of us we go that is way too legalistic look if you have a problem with lusting you got to do something beforehand I'm you just have to make the rules you're protecting yourself you protect if you're married you're protecting your marriage you're protecting your spouse you're protecting your relationship with God that's why you need to move the line see Psalm 16:6, 6, David in Psalm 16:6 six, he's not quite talking about these lines here he's talking about this line that he that he the land that he's living in the boundary line but watch how he says this is just an illustration but he says this he says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places surely i have delight a delightful inheritance now pause when we read that we're go what that's non-inspiring right there it's like okay he's talking about physical boundaries in the land but I like how it says the boundaries lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. In other words, like we think that if I move the line and if I want to serve God with everything, he's going to take away all the fun. You just want to suck. You just, you, this this living for God thing, that's a joy sucker. Like you don't, I, it's not fun. A lot of kids say that, a lot of teenagers say that, and they say, if I really serve God with everything, I'm never going to have fun again. Look, this might be fun for a season, But trust me, the longer you're right here, the more you're going to feel guilty. You're going to live in secret sin. You're going to wonder if people know, right? Did people find out? What if they find out? It's a horrible place to be in. But they have fallen in pleasant places. In other words, if I, the people who commit their ways to the Lord 100% and we say, Lord, I want to honor you with everything. I want to worship you with everything. Those are the people that have true abundance in their peace, true abundance in their joy. Think about it. When you're in the middle of secret sin, how much is it possible that you can have true peace in that? You're, you're always looking behind your back, right? You're always looking. You're always seeing if people, you're looking on Facebook. Do did, did, did they know about it? Because it's not peaceful. You're in chaos in your mind Forever. The people who make that choice beforehand, I am it might seem legalistic. It might seem this is not really command of God. Fine, but I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting my relationships. I'm protecting my my witness. I'm protecting my reputation. I'm actually gonna have more joy over here. I'm for sure gonna have a hundred and fifty thousand percent more peace, because I won't I can live looking at my wife in the eye. I won't sit there and go, <laughs> right? He goes, surely I have a delightful inheritance. In other words, living in God's will is satisfying. Living in God's will is joy giving, not joy sucking. Okay, so move the line. The second thing, this is huge in my life. It's kind of a weird way to put it, but magnify the cost. See, every one of us know when you're tempted to sin and you actually cross that line, there's always a cost, there's always a risk. And for sure, there's always a cost. It's going to cost you something to cross that line. But what we need to do, what helps me, is to magnify the cost. In other words, what could go wrong if I cross that line? What could what could go wrong? Some of us will go, well... Nobody will find out, so nothing's going to go wrong. You can't guarantee that. More likely, the cost is going to be your marriage. If you're married, the the cost is your joy. The cost is your peace. The the cost is your relationship with your your Heavenly Father. Whatever the case may be, it's going to cost you something. But if we magnify the cost, it will very much be helpful when we're standing on this line, not that line. In other words, the question would be, what if the worst case scenario comes true if I cross that line? I have to ask this all the time. I really do. What, Joel, I say, what, what, what could happen if I cross that line? What, what's, what's the cost? If I really magnify the cost, it helps me to stay away from that line. Because what if I lose my marriage to a great woman? is five minutes of sin really worth my marriage? What if I lose my reputation? How hard is it to gain back your reputation? It it might be impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it might be with certain people. What if I destroy my witness? Those are questions I ask. What if I lose my ministry? I sit there, and I'm tempted like anybody, but I always ask that question. When I get close to the line, believe me, I sit there and I I have to ask these questions. You know what would happen if I cross that line? There's a good chance I'll lose everything. I I have way too much to lose. I could lose, what if I lose my job? I've known people lose their job because they walked over here, they get fired. And now they don't know what to do. What, what, what if I lose all of that? What if I lose the trust of my son? What if I have so much debt that I'm drowning with no way out? Here's, here it is. Here's, what am I saying? When you're getting, when you're getting close to the line, don't only move the line, assume the worst. Assume the worst. Assume that your hidden sin will be found out because it will. See, Numbers 32, verse 23. Numbers 32, 23 says it very plain. I mean, I don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to understand what it says. You will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. It's a very, very fancy way of saying that you cannot hide your sin for that long. Somebody those people around you will figure it out very clearly. You know, if I sweep everything under the rug, the more things I sweep under the rug, that rug's gonna start to get really, it's gonna be a mountain. You can't hide from that. You can hide it for only so long, but you will be sinning against the Lord and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Hidden sin is not hidden forever. So what is going to, what's gonna cost you? Sin's gonna cost you, it might cost you your entire life. It might cost you your joy, it might cost you your peace, it might cost you your relationships, it might cost you your relationship with God. Is it really worth five minutes of pleasure? Five minutes of sin could wreck a lifetime of following Jesus. We gotta be ready, we gotta be on guard, we need to move the line, we need to magnify the cost, and last, we need to plan our escape. Because sometimes, even if you move the line, have you noticed that you still get as close as possible, still? Just because I put another line doesn't mean that I'm I'm immune from that. Even when I move the line, I still go. I'm going to go over this line for a minute. This is fun, and then ultimately it's going to. It's like it's like this suction, and here I am. We've got to, when we're when we're past the second line, the the good line. We got to be able to plan our escape somewhere between here. How am I going to get out of there? We've got to predetermine beforehand. An escape route. And uh the best example of this is from a man named Joseph in the Old Testament. I can't read the entire story, but I love the, the story of Joseph. I was talking with Lydia a long time ago, and she said that that uh Joseph, that reminder of Joseph. And I take it as a compliment, I really do. I'm like, hey, I like Joseph and because of that. But especially with like verse Genesis 39, verse 6 and 7, you'll see why. You'll you'll look and you go. She's right. it says this. it says Joseph was very handsome and well built young man. okay, not young man but middle aged man right jo- Joel was a very handsome and well built you know, rounds of shape, so I'm in shape right but it, it, Joseph was a very handsome and well built young man and potiphar's wife this is the this is the boss's wife. Let's modernize this his boss's wife he she, he she's been like. She's the one that's going like this. She's lusting after him. She wants, to, she wants to cross the line with him, right? And his wife soon began to look at him, what? Lustfully. According to Jesus, she's committed adultery in her heart. Okay, this is not just a man thing. So don't blame the men on lusting and that kind of thing. And she said, come and sleep with me, she demanded. My guess is that she's beautiful. So I'm sure that he's tempted a little bit, but how easy would it have been for Joseph to give in to that? If temptation is just laying right there and you're right close to it and you have a few things. Well, she's beautiful. We're alone. My boss is off on a business trip somewhere. He'll never find out. Hey, I'm single. No, I'm not, but... Joseph is I'm not and hey my brothers they sent me to Egypt and I've had a bad life I need this because when we're dealing with horrible stuff when we're going through a season of of horrible situation in your life it is so easy to give in to sin when you're weak when you're the weakest because it feels good you need some kind of pleasure because everything else feels bad. That's why when I feel really bad, I will eat ice cream, because that's a that's a coping mechanism that makes me feel good. It really does. Not the next day, but at the moment, it makes me feel good. But Joseph could have made all sorts of excuses. I'm single, she's flirting with me, and technically she started it, so she's guilty, right? She She came on to me. He could have, he could have said, you, I'm blaming you because she, she made me. She, she demanded. See, he could have said, I'm not happy with my life, so I need to do this because we often use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. This is so important when you're going through a season of fear, doubt, uh, when things aren't good at home, things aren't good at work, things aren't good financially. That's when we give in to sin the worst. Because we justify our obedience because we blame blame our upbringing. We blame our past. We blame the fact that everything's going bad. I just need this. You don't understand. This will make me feel good. I don't feel good. I need something that's going to bring me some joy. And if not joy, I want something that's going to bring me some happiness. I'm going to cross that line. But Joseph didn't do that. He already decided beforehand he's going to glorify God through his life. So he resisted. But day after day, the temptation was stronger and stronger and stronger. In verse 12 of chapter 39 of Genesis, it says this, she came, this is this is the next day or the day after or some other day. She came and she, now she's not just talking, now she's grabbing him. She grabs him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. But what did Joseph do? This is his, this is his coat. You, you could preach on this coat alone right there, what it represented. But he said, this important thing that I'm wearing, this garment, is not more important than, than my relationship with God, than my reputation, than honoring God and honoring my boss. He tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand, which, by the way, caught it, got him in trouble. You know the story. But she, he left it in his in her hand as he ran from the house. In other words, you run away from sin. There's a couple scriptures. I'm not going to find them today, but it's like sin. Watch out because sin is crouching at the door. If you open up certain doors, the sin's going to attack you like a lion. We've got to keep our eye on that. We've got to flee, run from sin. And last scripture will be done for today is one of my favorites in regards to temptation. God promises something when you're tempted, it's never it, it's it's never automatically you, you always have a choice right beforehand. You always do. The more you plan, the more chance you have to turn away from it. But in First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, this is one of my early 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 memory verses in the NIV, but this is the, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you're tempted not if when you're tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure who's gonna show you the escape route God so if you say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to avoid compromising situations as much as I can God is going to help you every time that you make a decision to either go way over here or just step back. You have a choice to make. And it's not on you that you're going to make the choice every single time good. It's between you and God. So what we need to do as we close in prayer is we need to have this kind of relationship with God that he helps us. Because the good news here, the good news is this. When you're weak, he is strong. I said earlier, and some people don't like it, it's fine, that you're not as strong as you think you are, but the good news is that God shows up strong. It's not up to you, not necessarily. You could do your part, move in line, planning ahead. If you're tempted a certain way, flee. Just avoid that as much as you can. Some situations you can't, but some situations you can. We need to ask God, Show me a way out. God, this sin is such a habit that I can't help it. God, heal me. He will do it. Let's pray. Father, we want to move this line. and We want to honor you with our life. We want to live for you in your will. Your will is to always glorify you. We want to glorify you. We want to glorify you with our words, with our actions, with our relationships, with our mind, with our ears, with our mouth. We want to honor you with everything, with our hands, with our feet, every part of our life, we want to honor you. So God, I pray that you would help us in this. And when we're tempted, that you would show us a way out and we're ready and we're going to follow after you. No matter how hard it is, we will do it. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless you.